This is Find Your Dream Job, the podcast that helps you get hired, have the career you want, and make a difference in life. I'm Mac Pritchard, your host and publisher of MaxList. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ben Forstag, our managing director, and Jenna Forstrom, our community manager. This week, we're talking about how you can plan your career instead of letting it just happen to you. According to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, the typical American will have 10 different jobs before the age of 40. Every time you're in a job or changing one, you have the chance to define your career. Yet many of us struggle with making that choice. Knowing what you want to do in life often means conquering your fears. You may also have to shed old ideas or find the strength to let go of a safe job. What do you want to do in your career? To help answer that question, Ben shares a TED Talk about what makes us happiest in our work. I talked to Katie Kelly, author of the new book, Career Courage, And Jenna answers a question from you, our listeners. Our show is brought to you by our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. And to learn more about the 2016 edition, you can visit maxlist.org slash book. Hey, Mac. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the 80-20 rule in job hunting. And since then, I've had a lot of questions from readers and listeners about this rule. Can you review this point again? Well, there's an estimate out there, Ben, that up to 80% of all jobs are never advertised. They're filled by word of mouth. Uh, But most people spend about 100% of their time uh, applying for posted positions. And the reason they do that is they haven't learned the the nuts and bolts of job hunting. They're not taught that in college or high school, and they don't know how to crack the hidden job market. Our book shows you how to do that. We tell you how to use informational interviews to find unadvertised jobs. And we give you tips for how you can meet and impress hiring managers outside of that formal application process. And we also show you how to get industry leaders to think of you when jobs open up, often before they're advertised. Great. Thanks. Yeah. And again, to learn more, visit maxlist.org slash book. Jenna, Ben, today we're talking about career planning, how to map out your career. What kinds of steps have you two taken in the past to plan your own careers? So I was one of these people who spent 100% of my time looking at job boards and among all the problems that caused, one of them was that I started thinking about my career and thinking about my skills, wrapping them around the jobs that I saw advertised, instead of uh, taking a step back, turning off the computer and thinking about what I really wanted to do with my career, thinking about the end goal I wanted rather, what's the next step. And when I took that time to kind of think about things and frame my experience and my skills and my education around uh, what I wanted to be doing, it made my whole job search much clearer. Good. How about you, Jenna? Like a lot of our listeners, I feel like this is something I'm definitely excited about learning here at Maxless. It's not something I've given a lot of attention to in my career. I've just kind of gone from job to job. Being here and constantly thinking about like the next steps and what I want in a career, I think I've got the larger picture down. Like I want to always be helping people and I always want to be doing digital work. But where that takes me, I'm not really sure. So just thinking about that and kind of putting my thoughts together has been helpful. Good. Well, I, you're actually ahead of me because I went through my teens and 20s just thinking about the next job. And it wasn't until I thought about going to grad school when I was 30, 31, that I, I thought, well, what is it I want to do over the next 5, 10, or 15 years? And then I did do some career planning along the lines of uh, what's outlined in, in Katie Kelly's book and, and other books as well. So it's I think it's natural for people to 
to go through that process, first think about the next job, and then eventually think about what kind of career they want over a period of decades. Well, let's turn to, to Ben, who is always got resources to share with you all, our listeners. Ben, what's the resource of the week? So this week, I want to share a TED Talk that was done by a guy named Dan Ariely, and it's all about what makes us feel good about work, which is a topic uh, I think we talk a lot about, a very ephemerally though, right? And we don't really kind of get down to what does make work feel good and meaningful and special to us. Why do we go to work every day? You know the TED Talks, right, Mac? I do. Yeah, yeah. they're really good. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, and there's like the big TED conferences and then there are these regional conferences. Like every city has their TED one. Here in Portland, we've got TEDx Mount Hood. Right. Um, this came from TEDx uh, Rio de Plata. Dan Ariely is a behavioral economist, which is basically... Uh, an economist who, instead of sitting in a room with charts and stuff, he is running experiments on actual human beings to see how they behave in relation to economic factors. Um, and he's done a lot of work around contentment at work, what drives people to keep working, to be happy at work, to be more productive at work. You know, the traditional model of work is that people go to work because you get a paycheck, right? And the motivation is payment, and that's a kind of very classic way to look at work. And some days it certainly does feel like that for me, but most days it doesn't. And one of the things Dan Ariely says is that, you know, this model really developed in the Industrial Revolution when we were all sprocket makers or cog spinners or, you know, we were too busy trying to stave off hunger to think about things like happiness and contentment and meaning. But now that we're in the knowledge economy and we're all hopefully not staving off hunger on a day-to-day basis, efficiency and that kind of paycheck mentality is less important than meaning for most workers. And so what he says is, you know, the new model is the motivation to work is driven by obviously salary is part of it, but also meaning, the joy of creation, challenge, ownership of the work, your own identity, a sense of pride, and a whole lot of different variables. Now, I think most of us understand this, right? This whole show is about finding meaning in work beyond just the paycheck. And when we tell people to chase your dreams, we're typically not telling people, go, you know, your dream is to go out and get a million dollar salary. That's the be all end all. Usually it's about, you know, be content, find happiness in work, be engaged. One of the cool things about this speech, though, is Ariely shares some behavioral experiments he's done to illustrate how meaning, pride, challenge, and all these other factors affect your happiness at work. And these are all really simple experiments he did, but they're really, really kind of interesting. So, for example, he paid people to build Lego sculptures, and you know some of the people he would pay them, and he would like destroy the structure right in front of them as soon as they built it. And other people, he would take the structure and kind of put it on the table to, to display it and show people, you know, look at what you created. And then he measured, you know, how cheap he could get people to build these statues for, and found obviously when you were displaying the artwork in front of the people, they took more pride in it, they saw it as something more special, and they'd be willing to take build these structures for much lower costs than the people who had to see you destroy the structure right in front of them, right? Their, their work didn't mean anything to them. And he has this great analogy about Ikea. He says pretty blatantly, like, Ikea furniture is not the greatest furniture in the world, but it comes in these boxes where everything's broken up into pieces and the instructions are not very clear. And, you know, you have to sit there and build it and it takes three hours to put together a bookshelf. And at the end of the day, a lot of people take a lot of pride in that I built this bookshelf following these pretty confusing instructions. Uh, and that process of work creates a whole lot of pride in the product. 
and he says the same thing is true of work in general, right? The, the tougher it is, the more of a challenge, the more ownership we feel, the happier we are. So I totally dorked out on this. Um, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it combines a lot of my favorite things like social sciences and research and bizarre experiments. I definitely suggest you check it out. It's only 20 minutes long. It's available on the TED website, which is TED.com. Uh, and I will also put a link directly to the video in our show notes. So I have to ask, Ben, do you think IKEA makes those instructions difficult by design to give people a sense of accomplishment? I, I, I think they make those instructions difficult by design because they're trying to reach a global audience and they don't want to put any actual language in any of the instructions. But yeah, I, I, I can understand that. After putting together an IKEA dresser, I feel quite accomplished. Like I've done something really good with my day. Okay, so it's not a recruitment strategy for the IKEA labor force. Uh, probably not. No. <laughs> okay. Well, lots of food for thought there. Well, thank you, Ben. And if you have a, a TEDx talk or video or podcast or other resource you'd like to share with Ben, you can write him directly. His address is ben at maxlist.org. Now let's turn to Jenna Forstrom, our community manager. She's here to answer one of your questions. Jenna, what's in the mailbag this week? This week's question is, when it comes to creating or updating my resume, do I need to include my home address? And I thought that was a really good question. And I actually have done this myself, uh, removed my address from my resumes. Um, And it's because my friend pointed out that when you're applying for jobs, you're uploading your resume onto the internet to things like LinkedIn and Indeed and Monster.com and Idealist. And you have no idea where that goes. And I was a little freaked out because I own my own house and I'm a single 20-something-year-old, and I was like, I don't really want my home address published anywhere. So I've been really conscious of what I'm uploading onto the internet. That being said, I think that there are just like a whole plethora of reasons why, like a pro for including and some of the cons. So um, home address versus permanent address, like the address I used in college was in Boston, but my mail was being sent here to Portland with my mom. And then if you're applying for a job and you live out of state, but you're making the move, maybe using a friend's home address. So it seems like you live there or could be living there. Uh, Saving precious space on your resume. Um, Being able to enter it manually on um, some form fields. So it's like company X is getting your your home address, not all companies um, like with Monster. How about uh, you guys? I, I think I have, but only because I have a very kind of traditional resume template that had a space for home address. I think it's a good idea to have at least your city and state there. And certainly for all your past jobs, given Portland's market, for example, there's a lot of people from outside Portland looking for jobs. So I think it's important to establish like, hey, I'm actually in the city right now. I can take the job starting in two weeks rather than you're going to have to pay me to relocate or wait several months. But I definitely hear your issue about you know how information gets spread around the Internet about you. Um, and I think that's something we always need to be cognizant of. And I, I've seen advice from career counselors that you can free up space, as you said, Jenna, to uh, make the case for elsewhere in your resume. And, and a good way to do that is to remove the postal address and, and just include, say, an email and, and a cell phone. I've also had people recommend that uh, you use a local P.O. box uh, if you're That's concerned about um, identity theft or sharing your home address with or what, what might happen to it once it gets out there. And some people do that, too, when they want to want to show a connection to a community where they haven't moved yet, uh, and they'll use a local P.O. box. And I think logistically, 
you know, nowadays most employers don't reach out to job seekers through the mail. I mean, they're going to reach out to you by email or by phone. So it, the inclusion of a physical address is just kind of icing on the cake in terms of contact information. Well, thank you, Jenna. And if you have a question for Jenna, please email her. Her address is jenna at maxlist.org. These segments are sponsored by the 2016 edition of our book, Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond. And we've made that book even better. We've added new content and we're offering it in the format you told us you wanted. For the first time, you can read Land Your Dream Job in Portland and Beyond as a paperback or download it onto your Kindle, Nook, or iPad. Whatever the format, our goal is the same, to give you the tools and tips you need to get the job and the career you want. For more information, visit maxlist.org book. Now let's turn to this week's guest expert, Katie Kelly. Katie Kelly is People Development Director for First Group, parent company of Keen Footwear and Chrome Industries. Her own career pivots include stints as a psychotherapist, a medical salesperson, an ABC television contributor, and most recently as an executive coach with clients that include Google and Time Incorporated. Katie, thank you for coming to downtown Portland and joining us in the Maxless studio. Thank you so much. Wonderful to be here with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Now, planning careers, this is a subject that can move some people to silence. They just, yeah. They're not sure what to say when people say, well, what's your career plan? Right. How, how can listeners get clear about what they want to do in their career? So, yeah, I, I uh, came up with just in chapter one this, this model called the fog model because that's often how I felt throughout my 20s and even 30s, just like kind of in a fog, you know, not really sure what the next step would look like. And so I think people – in my experience at least, get really um, locked into corners where they, they get really hung up on the companies or the titles or maybe salary or cities. And so I try to encourage people to think about it more fluidly. And um, so there's this model that I use called the the FOG model, right? And so it's, it's really looking from like a whiteboard perspective at three buckets of information. So the first one is feedback. So it's asking some people in your life, both personal and professional, whom you trust and whom you can honestly handle feedback from, which is kind of a critical first step to to ask yourself. But you ask them, what should I stop, start, and continue doing in my work life? What do you observe about me where I really come to life, where I'm really like pumped up, amped up because of the day I just had? Or when do you notice that I'm like fully deflated, you know, don't have the energy, I'm not feeling so positive, you know, what do you notice about me? So so start to jot down those notes, what they tell you, what, what they think you should stop, start and continue doing. So there's a data set. Because um, the easiest way to sometimes learn about ourselves is what our behavior is telling other people. Sometimes it's easier to learn from others what they're seeing from us. How long of a list of people is that, Katie? I would just start with three. Okay. I would just start with three. And then the second bucket is opportunities. So these are, just think about what um, people in your life, what key relationships, what networks, meeting, events, um, might help you expand or experience more mature working 
um, relationships or um, experiences. So th- if, if that's too complex for you, think about who excites you, like who when you look out online or even on LinkedIn or if you go to a networking event, who in the room is the most enticing to you because of the work they're able to do, because of the places they're able to go, because of the meetings they're a part of, and just start to note who those people are and then think less about them, but what exactly their roles are. What are the, what function are they serving in their organization? So that's a second data set. And once you identify those people, should listeners think about approaching them? Possibly, but but even before that, just really sit down and think about what is it that, how are they showing up in the world? What are they doing? What are the roles that they're serving in? So that's the F and the O of the, this G, right? So the F is the feedback, the O are the opportunities that you're seeing that are really enticing to you and kind of pulling you into your future. And then the third um, data set is most simple of all. It's G and it's gut instinct. So is what is that thought? that's waking you up at two in the morning? What is that that kind of innermost thought that's that's kind of waking you up and saying, I should have done this. I, I'm, I wish I had done that. And so just jot that down, right? So that kind of instinctual knowledge about a step you should take or something that you're regretful that maybe you can, can correct now. So I, I encourage people to give themselves maybe four to six weeks to kind of fill those data buckets, pair up with a, you know, a buddy who's going through the same thing and touch base with one another every Friday, for example, and, and work to find out what's showing up in those three areas. And so the, the goal is to find out what is what lives in that concentric circle in the middle. And so that's what I call the career success circle. So this is a much more intuitive kind of organic business plan. It's it's kind of the antithesis of what we think of as a business plan, right? It's really just a kind of way to point you towards the next step because in my experience career building is really about momentum. It's about knowing which direction you want to go. I don't know where I want to go forward, but I know I don't want to be here anymore. If that's kind of where you're feeling, this is a model that helps people take that step forward. And with each step, with each conversation, with each event you attend, et cetera, you start to learn more about not quite this way. I'm going to tweak this and go a little bit that way. And that's where a lot of many people's answers lie is just in that momentum. So once they get that momentum, where do you find it takes people? What happens next? It starts opening doors, and that's where the whole theme of career courage um, kind of resides with with a lot of these books' um, teaching points is, you know, there is no one way. When I've been giving lectures in various um, organizations or universities about this book, the question that has come up many times is, well, what's the shortcut? <laughs> and there is no shortcut. There is no shortcut to, to true career happiness. It's a long grind. For some some people, it's not a long grind. Some people, a lot of people in the book, myself included, have had success, but then we hit a plateau and we say, well, what's next? You know, what was meaningful to me at 28 it was vastly different at 35 and now vastly different at coming up on 42. So it's a matter of getting in touch with where you're at at that point in your life and saying, what matters to me now? And what are the implications for the type of work I want to do? Is, you know, creative, flexible work more important or is a nine to five 401k more important? So this is a process that people should undertake throughout their career. Yeah. Uh, it's, or their working life because right. their careers are likely to change. Exactly. There, it's, a, it's a commitment to, to find your own, your own you know, answers, your own true north. And w- what has translated to success for me is going to look vastly different for you, right? So we, we're all on incredibly different journeys. So there is no one answer. There is no one path. 
Okay, so you you may start this process while you're still in college or yep. right after graduation. And then as you figure out what you want to do, but then you hit that plateau. And Katie, how do you know you've hit the plateau? What are the signs that you'll want to revisit a process like this Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> reset your goals? The book opens up with when I ironically had reached my like ultimate career goal from 18 to 30, I stayed on one path of becoming a psychotherapist. And I was literally at that point in New York City on my last year of residency, postgraduate school in New York, working at this like dream spot in my field and I couldn't have been more miserable. So what I thought had been the ultimate dream goal ended up to be super constricting and not a good fit for me. So um, some of the feelings I talked about in page one are just like feeling like I was in my own straitjacket. I was working on a lock side cord. So feeling kind of without emotion about my work or just feeling very robotic. Um, so I didn't have the feeling of any spontaneity or any ability to influence my work differently than my colleagues, I felt like very robotic, like I had to follow a certain way about approaching the work. And so for me, that was very stifling. So it wasn't a good fit with the person whom I was becoming. I needed more flexibility and creativity. So that that was for me the sign that it was time to really take a look inwards and say, wow, I've dedicated 10 years towards this path it hasn't brought me the kind of happiness that I thought, where do I go from here? Should people who are in mid-career go through a different process than, say, someone who's starting out? I don't think so. I think the, the process is all the same. It's just a matter of kind of giving yourself permission to to state the way you feel and that there's no one way to experience a certain profession. You know, I, I think a lot of people get caught up in, you know, in the book is because of my psychotherapy background, the book, a lot, a lot of it is around helping us kind of unpack our own psychology from our early life. So whether it's cultural, family, or relationship-based, is really helping to think back a- around what our own norms are as it relates to breaking from a plan or doing something totally totally out of the ordinary for your family or for your culture, for where, where you are in the world. Because that's a lot of the quotes, because this book is based on 70 interviews, right? So it's about a lot of the quotes that really resonated with most people, myself included, were about just giving yourself permission to be different. And I think that's like a crucial piece in having career courage and kind of blazing your own career path is just being emboldened enough to, to say, I might do something completely out of the ordinary here. Am I okay with that? Am I okay with the implications? Am I willing to take like a 40% pay cut to, you know, risk the chance of greater happiness long term? But like, what is the impact going to be over the next few years? You've laid out a process. It's it's clear and, and I think easy to follow. What stops people from doing that work, Katie? What are the common barriers that you see when you talk to to others and how do they overcome them? Well, it takes a lot of sacrifice. You have to really, I think particularly for people who are, are used to earning a certain living, I think it's hard to kind of retreat back in your salary grade. So, and that's often what I hear is a first line of defense for people. Oh, I would love to actually do the work I love, but I just, I can't afford to kind of recalibrate my lifestyle because I've gotten used to it or I have children or, you know, we built our life around this certain kind of income. So I, I I do hear that a lot. So, and I don't think that's something pe- people can't figure out. They do figure it out, but I think 
at least in America, it's a, it's a bit of a kind of cultural obstacle and maybe something people don't always want to talk about, but it's something I hear people say all the time. Yeah, so people uh, face that barrier and they either accept that sacrifice. And it, and it looks or, it's it's looked at as risky. So there's no guarantee that things might work out. There's no guarantee if you take a certain step back or you decide to invest maybe money that is slotted for a child's college fund to a master's program for yourself. Like it's that guilt thing. Is it is that too self absorbent of me to do that? But if I end up doing it, what's what's the positive spin? Like what are the positive Positive implication. The second maybe obstacle is just not having a network of people to really support and continue to kind of help that momentum. So I think there's a whole chapter just in here about building a powerful network. And it, it may sound so cliche, but it's actually super critical. One of my favorite quotes in here that I did not write, <laughs> but was about if it takes a village to raise a child, it takes a powerful network to make a career click. And I really believe that. I mean, you really need that village of people sponsoring you, mentoring you, you doing the same for others, and people kind of pulling you along when the going gets tough. So for people who've made a choice, they've picked a career they're starting or they're switching to a new one and things are going well, they haven't hit that plateau yet. What are steps they need to take uh, along the way to, to get the most out of that choice? It's a great question. Um, I think just always keeping that vision piece in mind. So there's chapter one, it talks about motivation, right? And then I can't remember the specific chapter, but I think in six or seven, it talks about vision. So sometimes we don't always have the luxury of being able to lay out a vision, but a vision could be a three-month plan or it could be a 15-year plan. But I think about if you can start thinking about, okay, particularly around finances, which often I find when you talk about what do you want to do when you grow up, people will say, oh, do what you love. But we don't always talk about the financial piece. Um, So chapter nine is talking about making sure you're really doing the math on what your current salary is and what your earning potential is going to be over time and really having that hard conversation with yourself around what your lifestyle expectations are and needs. Again, there's a big unconscious piece sometimes for people about the life they intend to live. So it could be around the zip code, around schools, around how often you want to have, you know, nice clothes, designer clothes, or how much you want to travel. So really getting honest with yourself around what your expectations are as you move through life um, and figuring out if the career path you're in right now, if the trajectory is going to be in alignment with what your needs and expectations are. So I think that's one way to really think about is this career what do i need to do to make sure i'm aligning with what i'm expecting of my life well terrific and I, I did have the chance to read your book before the show and it, one of the uh, many things about it that impressed me was the set of exercises that you provide that are straightforward and easy to use and i think for listeners who want to learn more i would encourage them to check out those quizzes and those exercises thanks mac what else would you like to add katie we should start wrapping up oh my gosh well it's just a huge honor to be here i just encourage everyone to um take a look at the book people are enjoying it and um, maybe don't read it in solo kind of read it as a group i'm finding a lot of people are kind of using it as class exercises for homework assignments um and that 
colleges, particularly I'm 20 years out from high school, but even this Friday, I'm going down to San Diego and keynoting my high school's career day to talk to juniors and seniors. So I don't think you can start earlier. And, you know, these days it just like, I can't imagine thinking about my career at <laughs> junior and high school, but all ages do apply as readers. Well, great. Well, you talked a little bit about your trip to California, and I know you've been on a book tour. What else is coming up for you, Katie? What's next? My family will not let me do any more flying around. I've been pretty much out of town all of March. So I'll be down in San Diego this weekend and then pretty much trying to do local events in Portland or radio and, and TV shows from here. Great. Yeah. Well, I know to, to learn more about you, people can find you on Twitter and your Twitter handles at Katie underscore C underscore Kelly. And that's Kelly with two E's. Uh, you have a Facebook page. We'll include links to Thank both you. your Twitter and your Facebook account in the show notes. And I know you've got a special offer for our listeners. Would you like to talk about that? Yes. If anyone would like an autographed copy of this book, I've found that a lot of people are gifting this book for upcoming graduations or people's birthdays, and they really like the autographed version, which is very sweet. Um, so if you email me at katie at katie Kelly Networks with your mailing address, I can send you a um, signed copy of the book for $20 anywhere in the U.S. That's great, Katie. Well, thank you again for joining us. and. and for coming downtown. Thank it's you a, so it's much. A pleasure Mac. to see you. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for all you're doing for our community. Okay, we're back with the MaxList team. Jenna, Ben, when you two think about the interview, what are some key takeaways for you? Well, I thought it was a great interview. And the one part that I, I really resonates with me was the importance of feedback in thinking about your career. And I think this is, could, could be easier than you even imagine. So my wife is probably my best career counselor I've ever had because the days when I come home and I'm deflated and uh, low energy and upset, you know, she knows the kind of projects I've been working on and the pro- kind of projects that take all that energy out of me. And the days when I come home and I'm excited and energetic, she knows what I've been working on there as well. And one of her recurring things she's told me, especially when I was unemployed, was you need to be looking at the kind of jobs where you're going to come home energetic for her sake and for mine. So I think feedback is so important in a job search and a career management in general. How about you, Jenna? I really liked her comment on personal permission and how like just giving yourself that like it's okay to do this and like kind of step outside of cultural or economic norms to like pursue what actually really makes you happy. But realizing that with that personal permission comes a little bit of sacrifice. So you need to be honest with yourself and with your family about what you're going to do and if there's going to be a financial tie to it. But I think we always hear that like money doesn't equal happiness. So even though if you're going towards the dream job of you know, making a million dollars and you're miserable, it might not be really worth it. And I think that's part of the reason why there's so much pressure on young adults and even people who are teenagers, right, to figure out what they want to do. Adults realize, like, once you have a family, like, there's a whole lot more sacrifice needs to be made when you're making transitions in your career, right? You have to think more about finances and responsibilities and where the money's coming from. When you're in your 20s, Obviously, you still need to eat. You still need to pay for rent or a mortgage. But uh, the obligations there aren't as great or your responsibilities aren't as great. And so there's more opportunity there to try things out, to experiment, to figure out what you want to be doing. Yeah, and just like understanding where that baseline is for even if you're beginning your career or if you're midway through your career, it's like you're still going to have a baseline and just using that as like a platform to build a foundation on seems like a really good point. For me, I liked uh, about what Katie had to say was her point about uh, how we can have a lot of different careers 
during the course of our working life. And I think, especially for younger people, there's a, a sense that uh, if you're in high school or, or college, you've got to make one choice that you've got to stick with for the next 40 or 50 years. And that it's not only not true, but if it were, that would be overwhelming. I, I know, Ben, you and I have talked about this before in earlier shows. You know, we both had several different careers at this point. And Jenna, I, I think you're, you'll have the same experience. And, and I think uh, all of our listeners will, too. Well, thank you for listening. If you like what you hear on our show, you can help us by leaving a review and a rating at iTunes. This helps others discover the show and helps us serve you all better. And one of the reviews we received recently is from Josh Grinowitz, who writes, quote, Find your dream job is the antidote to all those being an entrepreneur, get rich quick, make your first million, and work from your laptop while jet skiing with dolphins off the coast of Bora Bora podcasts out there. It offers practical advice, refreshing insights, excellent interviews, and realistic approaches to finding your dream gig without hyperbole, overinflated promises, and echo chamber advice. Thank you, Josh, and thanks to the scores of other listeners who've left a review. Please take a moment to leave your own comments and ratings. Just go to www.maxlist.org iTunes. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Wednesday to give you the tools and tips you need to find your dream job.